continue our series on the different judges in the Bible, and today we are going to talk about Deborah, who is the first and only female judge in the book of Judges. So we read about her in Judges chapter 4, so let's begin at verse 1. It says that again the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, now that Ehud was dead. So the Lord sold them into the hands of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. Sisera, the commander of his army, was based in Harasheth Hagayim, because he had 900 chariots fitted with iron and had cruelly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years, they cried to the Lord for help. Now Deborah, a prophet, the wife of Lapidoth, was leading Israel at that time. She held court under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. And the Israelites went up to her to have their disputes decided. She sent for Barak son of Abinoam from Kedesh in Naphtali, and said to him, The Lord, the God of Israel, commands you, Go, take with you ten thousand men of Naphtali and Zebulun, and lead them up to Mount Tabor. I will lead Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his troops to the Kishon River, and give him into your hands. Barak said to her, If you go with me, I will go, but if you don't go with me, I won't go. Certainly I will go with you, said Deborah, but because of the course you are taking, the honor will not be yours, for the Lord will deliver Sisera into the hands of a woman. So Deborah went with Barak to Kedesh. And then the rest of the chapter describes how this all took place. But rather than reading through the rest of it, let's focus on who Deborah is and what she does in this passage and the things that she doesn't do in this passage as well that highlight different character traits that God saw in her when he made her judge. So first of all, we can see that in verse 4 it says that she was leading Israel at this time. And then it goes on to describe that she would do so, she would lead them by holding court, and the Israelites would bring to her the disputes that they would have for her to help them solve those disputes. So before we get to this big moment of Deborah appointing Barak to lead the Israelites to freedom, before she gets to that big moment, she is already living her day-to-day -day life helping the people of Israel helping them solve their disputes and doing what she can to help provide that peace in their own home lives. And it was because Deborah was doing this that we can see that she was very discerning, she was able to solve these disputes, she was wise, and that she was able to listen to God's guidance. And especially that's what we see taking place later on, that God speaks through her in order to appoint Barak. So before she gets to that big moment of her life, she is already living day to day, listening to God and helping the people around her. And it was because she was doing those things that she was ready when God wanted to use her in the role in this passage. And oftentimes that tends to be the case that God looks for people who are already doing what they can with what they've been given. And most of the time, those 
kind of what we would perceive as small works that we are doing. Those small works is what is preparing us for bigger works. And God wants to make sure that we will be good stewards, will be responsible with the small things that he gives us before he gives us even greater things. God wants to make sure that we have good character in everything that we're doing, because if something really important does come along, it's not going to be that we'll just suddenly have that good character and we'll suddenly now we'll be responsible and we'll be level-headed and we'll be wise. And because this moment's so important, now we're going to show those characteristics. That's not how it works. Those big moments are made and, and made possible because of all the stuff that goes on in preparation for that. Uh, it's true for any athlete that before it's the big game day, there is a lot of practices that they have to go through. I experienced that when I was in a dance team growing up. I did clogging, and if you don't know what clogging is, uh, I always say it's like tap, but in, in my opinion, it's way cooler than tap. But that kind of gives you an idea of what it's like. And I was in a clogging team growing up, and just like with anything else, I didn't begin by going to performances or going to competitions. That's not how I started. I started by learning the basic steps and going to practice week after week after week. And that as I practiced and as I put that time in, that it then prepared me to be able to go and do those bigger things, those competitions and those performances that we would put on. And the same thing applies in our spiritual life as well. God is saying, are you going to be faithful and responsible with the small things that I am giving you to do? Because I want to make sure that you are going to be walking in my will first before I can trust you with something that's going to have a huge impact. And Deborah showed that she was trustworthy with what she had been given. And we really want to take to heart the words that are found in Colossians chapter 3 that says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. So in everything that we do, that we're really pouring ourselves into it, we're giving it our best, that we're not saying, well, this isn't that important, and I'll wait until something important comes along. But instead, we say, everything that I'm, that I'm doing, I'm going to do for the Lord. I'm going to do as a work for God, first and foremost. And if it's a work for God, a work for your Creator then it's something that's worth putting your whole heart into and making sure that you give it your best effort. And that's something that we should be doing, is really putting our heart into everything we do, making the most of every opportunity that we're given, just like Deborah was doing. She was using the gifts that she had been given to help the people around her on a daily basis before she ever got to this big moment of God speaking through her. And that is what God had been preparing her for, was for a time like this. A time where God would use her to speak to and appoint Barak 
to overthrow the King Jabin and the commander of his army, Sisera. And we can see from this passage that Barak was not very good at listening to God's instructions. And so God needed somebody that could go and be his mouthpiece to Barak. And that is what Deborah was prepared to do. And you think of how difficult that must have been for Deborah, who was already leading the Israelite people. She was their judge. And she was the one solving their disputes day in and day out. And yet when God speaks to her, he tells her to go and appoint somebody else to overthrow the king. Now, if I was Deborah, and I'm thinking, okay, God, I'm the one leading these people. I've been appointed as their judge. And the judges that we've had are the ones that lead the people to freedom. And I've been doing your will. And now you want me to go and tell somebody else that they're the ones who get to free our people? If I was Deborah in that moment, I probably wouldn't want to do that. I would say, well, what about me? I'm the one who's been putting all this work in. I'm the one who's been leading your people. Why not ask me, God? Why? And, and why not just that you're not asking me, but also you're having me ask someone else? That really feels like you're just rubbing salt in the wound. And yet that was not what Deborah did. Instead, Deborah said, Okay, I'll go. I'll tell him. And she obeyed God's directions to go and appoint Barak to lead the Israelite army. And Deborah realized that God's plan doesn't always put us in the spotlight. And sometimes the person that God has prepared for a particular role is someone other than us. And that can be a difficult thing to accept sometimes. That God wants to use someone else for that envied position, that place in the spotlight where all the glory is. He wants to use someone else there. And he wants to use you for something else. And that's not always the case, but as we know, not everyone can be in the spotlight. In fact, there are fewer people who are in the spotlight than there are people who are not in the spotlight. And Deborah, in her obedience to God, was willing to give the spotlight to someone else because it was what God's plan was. And that's very difficult to do, but I think that's something that makes, De that makes Deborah stand out in such a powerful way, was her willingness to listen to this instruction that God was giving to her, even though it seemed to be undercutting her. And we really have to check our own ego sometimes and say, am I following God and doing what he's calling me to do because I think that it's going to make me a more likable person, it's going to make me more popular, it's going to make me more successful? 
Am I just serving God because of the benefits that I receive from that? Or am I willing to continue to serve and obey him even if I don't get to be in the spotlight? And we really need to keep our attitude in check about that. And remember that not everything revolves around us. We're not the most important thing in all of creation. I remember when I was interning at my church, and it was the church that I grew up in, and every year we put on an Easter play. And other than, you know, Jesus, who was the main role, the second biggest role in that play was John, because the play was seen through the eyes of John. And I remember at the time that I was interning there, the person who had been playing John the last few years had recently left, and so we didn't have anybody to play John. And I remember thinking to myself, okay, this is the church I grew up in. I'm very familiar with this play. I have basically know all of John's lines already. I'm working as an intern here, and so they're always looking for more stuff to give me to do. Uh, I took an acting class in college last year, and I was in the drama team the whole time I was in youth group here, and I just kind of came to convince myself that I was going to be asked to play the part of John, and I let them know that I was willing to do that, and so I just kind of assumed that I would be, uh, because it just kind of seemed like it all fit really well. And then I found out that they asked someone else. And in that moment, I had a choice to make. I could either take that personally and get offended by it and demand an explanation. Or I could say, you know what? I'm just happy they filled the role. I'm just happy that somebody's going to be doing it and be willing to help contribute however else I could. Because the play wasn't about me. It was about sharing the gospel message with people. And it's in times like that where the way that we react to things really shows a lot about our character and the condition of our heart. To see whether or not we're willing to put ourselves aside and say that this isn't about me. This isn't even about what I want. This is about what is God wanting to do? And what part can I play in it? And being willing to play whatever part God wants us to play. Because he knows what's going to work best. And that was something that Deborah was really good at that we can see in this passage, was her willingness to say, okay, God, I'm going to do whatever I can to help lead your people. And if you ask me to call someone else to free them, then that's what I'm going to go do. Because this isn't about me. This is about what you want to do for your people. And I'm willing to obey whatever you ask. 
she showed both a willingness to obey as well as a humility to do whatever God wanted her to do and to play whatever part God wanted her to play. And if we truly want to obey God, we need both of those things. We need the willingness and we also need the humility. And if we have those two things, then we will be ready to obey what God asks us to do. And while Deborah gives us a great example of that, Barak gives us not a great example of that. Because Deborah does go to him and say, the Lord wants you to free his people. And his reply is, well, if you go with me, I'll go. But if you don't go with me, I won't go. Can you imagine how frustrating that must have been for Deborah? Like she sucked up her pride and she went and did what God wanted her to do to appoint Barak. And he adds this extra condition to it and says, well, I'm not going to go unless you go with me. Oh, that must have been so irritating for her. And her response to that is she does say, I will go with you. But she also points out the penalty for him adding this condition to it and, and really being disobedient to what God is asking him to asking him to do. Because he's adding that condition and saying, I won't do it unless it goes the way I want it to go. Which is very much the opposite of the character that Deborah was showing. And she points out the penalty for his disobedience, reminding him that the end result is not the only thing that matters here. If all he's concerning about is doing the task and making sure it goes the way that he wants it to go, not realizing that in doing so he is being disobedient to God by putting his own conditions on it, he is placing that end result as the most important thing. And because of that, the honor that he was going to have was taken away from him and given to someone else. That one thing that he wanted the most was what was taken from him. And we need to learn the lesson of Barak. Learn what not to do. And remember that the end result is not the only thing that matters. It's not just about what happens, it's about how it happens as well. And was it done in the right way? It's not just about how things ended up, it's also how did you get there? Because if the end result was all that mattered, then we wouldn't have the phrase war crimes. Right? If you were thinking of any situation where you would think anything goes and the end result is all that matters, what better example could there be than wartime? Where there's already so much carnage, so much killing, so much conflict. And it seems like as long as we just win the war, that's all that matters. 
But that's not all that matters. Because we have to make sure that we don't cross any lines while we're doing that. That we don't commit any war crimes in the middle of that war time. There are still lines set in place that you are not supposed to cross. If someone surrenders to you, you don't gun them down while they're surrendering. And likewise, when you surrender, you, you can't use a fake surrender in order to get your enemy to drop their defenses so that you can ambush them. There are certain things that you are not supposed to do because it's not just about what the end result was, it's how did you get there, and did you get there in a moral way. There are certain lines you are not supposed to cross. And that's exactly what Barak was doing. He says, sure, I'll do what God wants me to if it gets to happen the way that I want it to happen. That is not what obedience looks like. Obedience is saying, okay, God, you tell me what to do, you tell me how to do it, and I will do it. I'm not going to force you to make it be the way that I want it to be. It's not just about the end result. It's about every step of that process and making sure that we are faithful and obedient to God in every step of the plan that he has. It's not just about the end result. It's not just about the bottom line. It's making sure that we are faithful in every part of it. Otherwise, you end up with a situation like uh, King Saul in 1 Samuel 15, where, sure, he did what God told him to do. He went and wiped out the people that God told him to wipe out. But he also brought back some animals to make sacrifices to God for. Even though God told him to go and kill all the animals too, well, we're going to use them... We're going to save just the best ones in order to sacrifice to God. That's what King Saul did. And because of that, God rejected him as king and appointed David to take his place. Because it wasn't just about what he did and what the bottom line was. It's did he truly obey what God was asking him to do every step of the way? Are we faithful every step of the way? Or do we try to do things our way and then just let God take care of the parts that we don't want to handle or that we're not able to handle, but try to fit ourselves and our desires in wherever we can? If that's the way that we're living our life, then we are not living in a way that is truly obedient to God. Because it's not just obedient with the big moments. It's not just obedient in the ways that it benefits us. It's obedient in everything and in every way. And so that leads us to the question I want to leave you with today. Which is how can you incorporate faithfulness and humility into even the small parts of your life. 
each and every part of it, whether it's something we see as big or small? Are you humble enough to set aside your own desires and what you want and the way you want things to go and willing to submit to God's will and give him control of your life because he can do so much more with your life than you can. He sees more. He knows more. He understands you better than you understand yourself because he created you. And he's faithful to us as long as we are faithful to him. And that is the kind of obedience that we are called to have. The same kind of obedience that we see in Deborah and the obedience we don't see in Barak. Are you truly obedient to God? And that's today's sermon in the pocket. As always, if you have any comments or questions for me, I'd love to hear from you. You can contact me either through the Sermon in the Pocket Facebook page or email me directly at sermoninthepocket at gmail.com. And as always, I encourage you to share this with other people to help get the message out there. But until next time, I pray that God will bless you as you go throughout your day. And I thank you for taking the time to listen. Thank you.